It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You're listening to the MLB Pipeline Podcast with your host, Ed Randall. Hi, everybody. I'm Ed Randall, and welcome to the MLB.com Pipeline Podcast. I'm joined by our draft and minor league experts, Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. Hope everybody had a very nice Thanksgiving holiday. But it's also that time of the season when we begin to take a look at the upcoming draft. How strong a draft class are we looking at, Jim? Um, I think it's just okay, although... Uh, maybe we need to revise our expectations of how strong a draft's going to be because I, I just think that's the case most years when you when you talk to scouts and I'll be interested in Jonathan's thoughts on this. Uh, you know, especially this time of year, they all seem a little bit disappointed and wish there was more talent out there. And you know, I, I think this is just the result of what you get when the pro when the pro teams hit the high school crop so hard year after year. This isn't going to be like like the mid '80s where. You know, Randy Johnson and Barry Larkin and Will Clark and Barry Bonds and on and on and on. These guys were, were early picks out of high school but went to college. Now those guys get signed. And I think, you know, maybe to call the, the, these draft classes mediocre most years is unfair. Maybe mediocre is really average. But, you know, I, I don't think it's particularly strong or, or it's not particularly weak. I mean, you know, I think the the draft we're going to look at as the draft of the decade was 2011, and that was kind of apparent at the time. And since then, I mean, there are good players every year, but you just don't have, you know, all-around depth in a draft class. And, and But I think that's the new norm. Jonathan, yeah. as of now, mediocre? Uh, mediocre? Yeah, I, I guess, yeah. It's, it's almost as if, um, you know, uh, Jim, like when we're, we're – talking about you know, grades for what constitutes an average fastball now and we realize you know what used to be an average fastball uh, is now below average and, and I think there is a little bit of that new norm uh, and for the reasons that Jim laid out uh, the teams have done a much better job of identifying and signing high school talent uh, so it seems like every year like the college crop especially college hitters uh, not as good as it seemed and, and I think on top of that, you have to realize that the the people that Jim and I talk to when putting together uh, a list like this or even just covering the draft, their job is to nitpick uh, and to find the holes. So you're not going to talk to a scouting director in October or November who's going to say, wow, this is the greatest draft class in the history of the world. Uh you know, you're just not going to find that kind of effusive praise probably at any point leading up to the draft. Uh, but, uh, you know, for a whole host of reasons, uh, one, again, they nitpick. Two, uh, you don't want to talk about a draft class being so incredible, and then, you know, you go and take your guys, and uh, it doesn't turn out to, to be as, as great as you think. Uh, then you're going to be out of a job. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's everyone I talk to uh, has been kind of just – uh, lukewarm, I would say, about this draft class. But I, I think last year at this time, people were saying the same thing about last year's draft class. And I think that turned out to be a little bit better of a draft class than may have been 
initially anticipated at this time of year. All right, guys, let's talk about contenders for the number one pick. Is there a clear number one draft choice out there, Jim? No, I, I don't think there is. Uh, you know, the, and there wasn't last year either. I mean, really, the last time we had a clear number one at this time was, was three drafts ago with Carlos Rodon, who, who then wound up not going <laughs> number one overall. <laughs> Although I think if you gave the Astros a Marlins a do-over, they probably would take Carlos Rodon instead of letting him slide to, to the White Sox at number three. But, you know, Jonathan and I have discussed this. I mean, you know, I think that, you know, our top prospect on our list is Jason Groom, a high school left-hander down in New Jersey. So he's kind of right there in the backyard of the Phillies who have the number one overall pick. You know, typically you aren't going to see a high school guy, a high school pitcher go number one, although we did a couple of years ago with Brady Aiken and, and that kind of blew up. You know, typically the, the, if everything's equal and the high school guys are head and shoulders above everybody, then I think that number one team might be more apt to go for a college guy like a, A.J. Puck from Florida or Alec Hansen from Oklahoma. Um, I mean, to me, Jonathan, those are kind of the clear, and clear might be a relative term, but those are the obvious top three choices right now. I don't think there's a position player in that mix, although, to be fair, a year ago, if we were having this discussion, we would not have said Dansby Swanson would have been in the mix to go number one like he did to Diamondbacks. And I don't think we would have said that, that Alex Bregman would have been in the mix to necessarily go number two uh, like he did to the Astros. So, so a lot can obviously change between now and June. Yeah, I, I think that's accurate. Those are the those are the three guys, and and you know all of them have some sort of question mark just in terms of you know I mean Groom is, is a high schooler, uh, and yeah, there have been high school lefties who have gone number one overall, but it's not like it happens every day. Uh, and the two college guys have some some question marks. Um, you know, Puck was less than dominant uh, last year, although he pitched very well over the summer. I think if he comes out this spring on a really good Florida team and dominates, uh, he could separate himself. Uh, Alec Hansen, uh, if he can show he's healthy, the same thing could happen. Uh, I, you know, position player-wise, I think, uh, you know, we'll get into the top ten a little bit more. The two guys I could see, you know, again, it depends on what happens during the spring. Buddy Reed is a tool shed, a Florida center fielder. If he shows he can hit, Maybe he sneaks into that into the conversation, and then uh, and and then Blake Rutherford is the one high school guy. Same thing. I think if he sort of blows up this spring, he's the one high school position guy. I think could enter into that conversation. All right, guys, time for your best uh, Nostradamus impressions. Uh, pick one player and one pitcher you expect to go in the top fifty, and we'll do it in increments of ten, starting with the top ten. Jim, you first. Well, I'll go with Corey Ray. Uh, from Louisville, and just piggybacking what Johnson just said, he's an outfielder. I think he has a chance to maybe factor into that number one pick discussion, too, kind of in the way that Dansby Swanson emerged as the number one pick. I mean, I think Corey Ray, uh, you know, he's he's our number one position prospect in the draft right now, and I think it's because he has tools and he has a track record of hitting. He, he was the best hitter on the U.S. Collegiate National Team this summer. Uh, he's, you know, quick quick left-handed bat, you know, makes a lot of contacts, you're going to get some power and average, he's a plus runner, you know, can, can probably stay in center field and be a solid center fielder. You know, right now he is our top position prospect, and while there's not a, uh, you know, there's not a plus-plus tool you hang your hat on, uh, like, like you can maybe with some other guys, his all-around, uh, you know, just, just quality that he offers, you know, he, who knows, he could factor into that number one pick uh, mix as well. And I'll elaborate a little bit on uh, on Blake Rutherford, uh, 
same reason he is the you know the top high school position player listed uh almost has been hurt by the fact that he's been a known quantity for a while he was on the 18 and under national team as an underclassman performed well he had an okay summer like nothing spectacular um you know played okay again team usa uh showcases but he has all the tools uh, and he can do a little bit of everything so uh, you know, I don't even know that he needs to do much more to be a, a top 10 pick. But if he comes out and just separates himself, uh, this is a guy who could move up into the top couple of picks uh, as one of those sort of dynamic five-tool uh, high school, you know, athletic position players that a lot of teams like. Jim, what are you seeing between 11 and 20? Well, I think my, the most interesting guy for me there in the half of the country that I did is Jordan Sheffield, a Vanderbilt right-handed pitcher. I mean, Vanderbilt always seems to have first-round pitchers. Uh, you know, here's another one. You know, Jordan could have been possibly a first-round pick out of high school in 2013, but he hurt his elbow and, and had Tommy John surgery. He's not pitched a ton at Vanderbilt, you know, redshirted uh, as a freshman while he was recovering from Tommy John surgery, um, then came back and pitched out of the bullpen last year. And, and then during the Cape Cod League, he really broke out, had probably the best pure stuff in the league. You know, this is a guy who, you know, when he's healthy at his best, you know, he can sit 94, 96 and reach 98 with his fastball. His breaking ball is a plus pitch, probably more of a slider than a curve. Um, his circle changeup can be an out pitch uh, as well. You know, I think the question with him, besides the medical history, is going to be how many strikes he throws. Um, you know, how how many. Uh, you know, his size is a little bit of a question too. He's a six foot right hander, which always worries scouts. And, and you know, I know. You know, listeners may hear that and they go, oh, come on, size shouldn't matter. But but what it matters is is that, you know, a smaller guy has to exert more effort and is less likely to, to be able to go deep into games. Um, and he does have effort in his delivery. So scouts will be looking at those things. But he, he's probably, as much as anybody in this class, even the pitchers we have ranked ahead of him, I, I think on, on, the, on the right day, Jordan Sheffield's more likely to show you three-plus pitches than just about anybody. And it'll be interesting to see how often he can do that this spring. Jonathan, 11 to 20, what do you got? Yeah, I'm going to go with the guy who's probably my favorite guy from over the summer, Mickey Moniak, uh, another another high school outfielder from Southern California. Blake Rutherford sort of gets most of the ink. But uh, Moniak was a guy who was you know, a known prospect, decent, and all he did uh, was hit. I mean, pretty much everything he hit was hard. And no matter who I talked to, People saw him at different times over the course of the summer. All they talked about was solid, hard contact. I saw him at Tournament of Stars, uh, and uh, he, he just put on a show. Uh, and he can run, uh, so he turned a lot of you know things into extra bases, doubles into triples. Uh, he's got some room to, to add some strength, so there might even be a little more power, but the hit tool is what really stands out. He can play center field. Uh, one of these guys that uh, goes all out all the time, just fun uh, to watch. And he, you know, moved himself up into this 11 to 20 range. Uh, you know, and if he does more of the same in the, in the spring in Southern California, uh, he could cement himself as a sort of top of top half of the first round kind of high school bat. Uh, we are looking at uh, the projected top 50 in the uh, next draft. Uh, in looking at it in increments of 10. And we're at 21 to 30. Jim, what do you have there? 
Well, I think that the guy who jumps out for me there is, is Robert Tyler, the right-handed pitcher from the University of Georgia, who could go. And we've got him ranked 26, and he's a guy who could go 20 or more spots higher than that if he comes out and has a good, healthy spring. I mean, in terms of stuff, not a lot to uh, to quibble with. He's got one of the better fastballs in the draft. Uh, he, he's reached the upper 90s as a reliever. He can sit at 92, 92, 95 miles an hour as a starter. And it's got run and sink, and, he, and he's six foot four, so he throws it on a steep plane. So it's a tough fastball to hit. Um, his curveball has some power to it. His changeup has some sink and fade. And really, the two questions with him, kind of like uh, I was just talking about with Jordan Sheffield, are health and, and, and command. He's been shut down, even going back to high school, in each of the last three seasons. At various times, he missed three months last year with a forearm strain. So the health is a big question with him. And he doesn't repeat his mechanics particularly well, rushes his delivery. So even though he throws strikes, his secondary pitches kind of come and go. Quality strikes are another story. And there's some uh, you know, debate, I guess, in scouting circles. Is this guy a starter long term? I mean, he's got the pure stuff. He's got the body for it. Or is he going to be a reliever? And if he answers these questions in the affirmative, this is a guy who could be in the mix to go number one overall. Jonathan, uh, 21 to 30. Yeah, so so I'm going college pitcher also. Not a guy who's going to figure into that number one mix, but uh, Logan Shore from Florida kind of, to me, uh, epitomizes the sort of second tier of college arms. Uh, you've got A.J. Puck and Alec Hansen who uh, could throw the ball through a brick wall. Uh, you know, And then in this next group, you have Robert Tyler is there. But there's also a bunch of guys who just kind of know how to pitch. And Logan Shore probably has the – I don't want to say he has the best pitch ability, but it's up there. Uh, you know, for as good as AJ Puck can be, uh, he's pitched behind Logan Shore uh, in, in Florida's rotation. Uh, Shore was the Friday night starter for the last two years. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if he is again on a really, really good team. Uh, and the stuff isn't bad. You know, he's up to 93, 94, uh, and if he can maintain that velocity, then he becomes a little more interesting. Um, he can really pitch. Uh, can you know moves uh, three pitches and now he's got a plus changeup. Really, really good control. Uh, you know, and, and those kinds of guys always do well on draft day. Uh, you know, not not the the sexiest pick. They don't light up radar guns on on a regular basis, but uh, kind of guy who could probably be a little quicker to the big leagues. Uh, you know, for for a team looking at some starting pitching depth. And and unlike Tyler, this is a guy who undoubtedly can start at the next level. Somewhere between 31 and 40 in the 2016 draft. Jim, who are you looking at? Uh, I'm looking at Alex Spees, a right-handed pitcher from McEachern High School in Georgia. He's got one of the more electric arms in this draft. He's kind of reminiscent. It's not a, not a perfect comp, but he's kind of reminiscent to Tuki Toussaint, who won the first round in 2014, who was trying to harness uh, just you know very, very good stuff. And Spees is kind of you know in that struggle as well. They're both products of the Atlanta Blue Jays travel program. Um, Spees, if you see him on the right day, you'll see 92-96 with riding life. He only carries about 190 pounds on a six foot four frame, so he can add uh, some more weight, some more velocity. He's got a hard curveball. And you talk to scouts, and you know I've even heard some Dwight Gooden comps dropped on him just because of his, his lanky build and those two pitches. He's not nearly as polished as Gooden was at the same stage, and I don't think he's quite as polished as Toussaint was, and polish was not Toussaint's strength. Uh, he has trouble throwing strikes. Um, and in part, it's because his fastball is so lively and his curveball has so much depth, it's hard to keep him in the zone at times. So, I mean, you, you look at this guy, you dream of a front-line starter. Um, if that doesn't work out, 
uh, you know, then maybe he's a, he's a closer. But it, the arm, it, it's, there's a lot to like about that arm. Jonathan, who's out there that could fall between 31 and 40 in the next draft? Well, I think it's clear that uh, Jim likes guys who can throw hard, and I like guys who can pitch. <laughs> I'm going to paint with the bread because I'm going to go with Jesus Lazardo, uh, a high school lefty. Um, again, you know, Jim and I split, you know, split the country up when we're doing this list, so we're all we're picking from guys that that uh, that we wrote up, and and a lot of times it's guys that you know we got a chance to see. Uh, I saw Lazardo pitch uh, a couple times. And he's not the biggest guy in the world. Uh, you know, it's six one, kind of physically mature. He is what he is, but uh, he's got three at least major league average pitches and above average control of all three of them. Uh, so he made you know high school hitters even at you know, these high level competitions uh, in summer showcases. He made them kind of look silly uh, more often than not. And, you know, he's got enough fastball. He can get it up to 93, uh, but it's really more about moving it in and out, up and down, changing speeds, uh, things of that nature. Um, I sort of, uh, you know, in, in my head thought of him as, and the stuff isn't completely comparable, um, but I thought of him sort of as Rob, like Rob Kaminsky, the first rounder of the Cardinals a couple years ago now with the Indians. Smaller high school left, he really knows how to pitch, but with, with some stuff. This isn't a guy throwing you know, 86 miles an hour, who's relying on smoke and mirrors. We wrap the projected top 50, looking at the back end, somewhere between numbers 41 and 50. Jim, who do you got? Well, I'll, I'll go all the way to the end of that, and I'll go with number 50. And I guess, Jonathan, I, I don't just like hard-throwing pitchers. I, I like Georgia, which is probably because I went to the University of Georgia, but my, my third straight uh, Georgia high school or college product, uh, Carter Keyboom, uh, is a third baseman from Walton High. In Georgia, he's the youngest of three baseball player brothers. His, his oldest brother, Spencer, is a catcher in the national system. And his middle brother, uh, Trevor, is a third baseman uh, with the Bulldogs right now. Carter is going to, if he goes to college, will follow Spencer's footsteps and go to Clemson. But he, uh, you know, talking about guys you saw, I saw him at the Under Armour game in July, and he looked tremendous. He had the best at-bats. He, he had a great approach. He, he had an opposite field single on a 98-mile-an-hour fastball from Riley Pint. Uh, you know, he's got bad speed. He's hit for power. Um, he has a strong arm. I, you know, this is a guy who could have four solid tools or better. You know, he, he runs okay, but that's not that, that's the weakness of, of his tools. But, you know, this guy could be a third baseman with four solid tools or better. Uh, he comes from a high school that has produced six big leaguers, uh, most notably Billy Burns. And I just really liked his bat when I saw him this summer. Jonathan, who do you see between 41 and 50? Well, I did not go to school in Southern California. However, uh, I am going to go back there for another high schooler, uh, an Avery Tuck. Uh, and this is more the, the uh, I may have gone sort of performance-based uh, on the mound, but uh, in terms of position players, I, I, I do like the tools of guys. And Avery Tuck, um, if there was one guy in this 50, I think, who kind of put himself on the map over the summer, it's, it's Tuck. Um, Really raw tools, uh, you know, had grown up in the San Diego area, had moved away and played uh, in an area where the competition wasn't very good, and now has moved back to San Diego, uh, which will help him get uh, seen a little bit more. But uh, had some very good performances over the summer in front of a lot of people and uh, unbelievable raw power from the left side. Uh, you know, he's one of these guys, though, that, like, depending on the day you see him, it will depend on how, how much you like him. I like tucking a guy like this in the back end of the top 50 because 
if he finds some level of consistency, this is going to be on, you know, a big under ranking. Uh, but, you know, he has the capability of hitting, hitting for power, throwing well, running well. It's not always there on every, uh, on every given day. So I think the spring uh, will, will go a long way to determining just how good of a prospect he is. Uh, great job by both of you. But uh, before you go, give me a guy uh, who may not be in the top 50 that you really like, Jim. Yeah, a guy who I'm keeping my eye on is Ben Rordfett, a uh, high school catcher in Wisconsin uh, from Verona Area High School. You know, this is not a, a great catching draft, and it seems like we were saying that last year as well. There's only one catcher in our top 50. That's Chris Oakey from Clemson. He checks in at number 42. Uh, Rortvet is the top high school catcher. I think the things that stand out the most about him are his left-handed power and his arm strength. Um, if he can show, you know, if he shows enough receiving, and it's hard to judge high school receivers, especially in Wisconsin, because it's not like he's he's handling a lot of professional caliber pitchers at Verona Area High. You know, he has been on the showcase circuit, but if he convinces scouts. Uh, that he can stay a catcher, um, even though we don't have him in the top 50. It's not the question he could go in the first round. Catchers usually go a little bit uh, earlier than expected, and, and you know, really the, the top two high school catchers in the country are not that far away from each other. In Illinois, uh, neighboring state, you know, Cooper Johnson is more of a defensive-minded guy with maybe some questions on his bat. He plays at Carmel Catholic High, so those are two guys, and you know, I, I know you can't do this, but if you could combine Johnson's defense with, with Rortvet's offensive potential, then you'd have a first-round pick for sure. Jonathan, who are you, who's your sleeper, guys? I, I, want a, I want a piece of the action in Jim's, like, prospect cloning machine where you can combine prospects into one guy. I'm, I'm in on that. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to throw out two names also. Uh, one, I want to stay local, uh, and it's not often that I can mention a, a guy in western Pennsylvania uh, as, a, as a potential sort of early round pick, uh, I guess I've been waiting, you know, since what Neil Walker was drafted. I guess to to, to be able to just stay in my own backyard. But uh, Alex Kirilov is a, a really interesting guy that got mentioned a few times as sort of being on the outside of the top fifty, looking in and somewhere in that I don't know fifty one to seventy range, say, uh, without having ranked it closely. But uh, he can really hit. He's got some power potential. He's, Big, strong guy. Uh, he's going to add some strength. Uh, could be a power-hitting first baseman type when all of a sudden done. And the other is uh, is Nick Quintana, whose brother is a pitcher in the Braves organization. Uh, he's from Las Vegas. Uh, one of these guys who's probably, uh, you know, the whole is better than the sum of his parts. You know, He can really hit, uh, and he's got some pop. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He's kind of physically mature. He's not going to play shortstop, you know, so it's, he may be a little bit of a tweener, but he just really plays baseball uh, and, and plays it well, played for the national team uh, and did a lot of good things for them. So uh, another guy who, you know, I, I don't know that he performed his way into the top 50, but I think he, he may be one of those guys that ends up being a, a better professional than people may think he is right now, especially if they can figure out what position suits him best. Uh, this is all great. Can't wait to see how it turns out. That'll do it for us. On behalf of Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, I'm Ed Randall. Thanks so much for listening to the MLB.com Pipeline Podcast.